Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What to Be is a program provided by Your Future is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit dedicated to helping students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. We also just wanted to remind you that for the time being, we're hosting interviews through video call and would like to apologize in advance for any lack in audio quality. Now, finally, today I am joined by my guest, Matthew Espinoza. Matthew, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, our our pleasure too, man. We have never talked to, uh, as far as I know, anyone who's directly, we've talked to a restaurant general manager, but never a chef. And that is what Matt, what what do you go? I see your your Zoom name is Maddie. What do you go by normally? Uh, Yeah, so my friends and uh, colleagues, they'll uh, call me Maddie. Okay. Um, You know, the people I work with, my friends will call me Maddie. Um, Matt and Matthew, usually family, uh, usually call me that, but. I, you know, it's, I'm not particular. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, that's good to know. So then it's probably going to come out in all three different ways as I talk here. So I'll respond to you. Yeah. Matt, Matt was here. Uh, He's going to talk to us today about his time as an executive chef. So uh, to start what uh, I get, all I understand about the sort of line in the kitchen, I guess, so to speak, I'm not sure about all the terminology is that there are different levels. So, what does it mean? Where where are you at as a as a chef in ranking? I suppose as an executive chef. So, yeah, like you're saying, it, th- there's a definite hierarchy within you know the restaurant industry and the kitchen, especially. Where I'm ranking is as an executive chef. I am one to make the menu, uh, create recipes for the menu, and with that, typically I would have a sous chef or a under chef, is what that is translated to from French. And show them the recipe, show them how to make things, and then they would in turn distribute that knowledge onto the rest of the line cooks. But where I was working, it, since it was such a small restaurant, I did have a sous chef, but I was more hands on than typically what an executive chef would do. Usually, executive chefs kind of are back in the distance, they don't normally cook a whole lot, um, they're, they're kind of more of just floating around just more of the business side part of the restaurant, um, doing orders, calling providers, going to farmers markets if need be, going to do that stuff. But, you know, doing that stuff on top of that, I was also, you know, in the kitchen in the mornings from when, before we open, you know, start at nine, 10 in the morning and wouldn't get off until nine, 10 o'clock at night. Wow. You know, so 12 hour days, six Six or seven days a week. Yeah. So you had a, you had a lot of responsibilities and as executive chef, man. So oh yeah, I'll, I let's get right into then your what kind of what kind of training, education, certification, everything. What what did you have to go through to to get to that point of being a successful executive chef? Yeah, uh, so I have really no formal training. I've never went to culinary school with my high school, uh, uh, Cypress Charter High School. I did have an ROP culinary program that I went through, which is a regional occupancy program um, that I did with my high school and also um, took a couple of classes at Cabrillo. But as formal training, I, I, I don't have a culinary certificate. I mean, those are helpful. Definitely, if you really want to excel 
I mean, with me getting my executive chef position, I, I just felt that just kind of fell on my lap with luck, really, because more often than not, you do need a degree in a culinary mm-hmm. background. But yeah, most of my training is just kind of on the job training, hands on. Um, you know, since I was a kid, always worked and cooked with my dad and my parents when I was younger. Um, and then my first job was at the San Cruz Beach Boardwalk in the uh, food service department. And then just going from there, just, you know, working at different pizza places here in Santa Cruz and then uh, moved up to San Francisco, worked at uh, my cousin's restaurant that he was the head chef at and then moved up to Yosemite as a line cook, uh, worked at Evergreen Lodge, worked up there for uh, a summer. Now that, that was amazing, you know, just kind of getting out there and then came back here to Santa Cruz and yeah, just worked in many different restaurants and just, you know, you slowly build your way up the ladder. You know, you start, you know, I started out as a, as a dishwasher, you know, and you slowly move your way up, you know, dishwasher to a prep cook to a, a um, working garmage or pantry, which is salads and cold appetizers and desserts um, to making your way up to the hotline to grill saute, you know, you just, it's, it's all different steps, you know, like promotions as you, you know, in like normal workplace environment, but it's, yeah, it's a hefty ladder to climb. Definitely. You know, it takes, sure. it takes years and years to finally build up the, the rapport. The, yeah. Exactly, okay. The rapport. So I, you know, I, I guess it, it makes sense. That you don't, you don't necessarily classify your training as, as formal, but still, seems pretty extensive, right? You've been, you've been doing this for a long time. Were you, you said you were working and cooking with your parents. Were, were they also in the restaurant business? No, they, they weren't. Um, my grandparents, my dad's parents, um, they owned restaurants before. And then my dad just kind of learned cooking from his dad. And then, um, I mean, food is a huge part of my family. You know, we always, you know, family reunions, get togethers, everything, you know, we're always cooking food. So that's, that's where I've learned how to you know, my little tips and tricks and how, how to cook different things. And yeah, so it, it's definitely family centered for me. Yeah. With my training and my love and passion for it too. So when you were, when you were younger at, you know, whether you were just cooking with family or, or busing at a restaurant or washing dishes at a restaurant, did you, at what point did you start to get the sense that uh, you were, you maybe thought to yourself, you know, I, I think I kind of want to keep work. I want to be in the kitchen. I want to be a chef. Um, man, I, I would say definitely when, like, I'd say my first job at the boardwalk, like flipping burgers, you know, cooking fries, just simple stuff. But I mean, just being around that environment, the hot, the heat, you know, <laughs> oil splattering, everything just, it, it just built just this, this love that just stemmed from just the passion that, you know, you have from cooking. It, yeah. It, it just it exploded inside me. And I was like, this is, this is definitely what I want to do. Awesome. I love cooking. I love food. I love to eat. How old were you when you first when you had that boardwalk job? I was sixteen years old. Yeah. Wow. I was sixteen, and I am twenty five now. Uh, this is one one of the reasons I really enjoy, I guess, a being in in my seat right now and doing this show, but it, it specifically learning about people's backgrounds is because I I feel like you have a as someone who wanted to be a chef uh, already a pretty cool and inspiring story, right? How you mm-hmm. you didn't have any of this formal training, but you got to the point where you were an executive chef. You got to be in the kitchen, so yeah. it's it's awesome to show that you you, the, you can learn these skills outside of 
the common places, right? Out, yeah. Outside of the schooling, you can still get this done. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, there's definitely times where I still wish I had gone to culinary school, you know, learning more of the terminology and kind of the basics. You know, you learn a lot of that while working in the kitchens and, you know, different ways to do things. But, you know, there is a part of me that wishes that I could have gone to culinary school. But at the same time, I'm glad I didn't because I was able to get a foot in the door faster into the um, culinary industry um, instead of, you know, going to school. And then, you know, most more often than not, the culinary school graduates, when they get out of school and they get in the workforce, they, they don't have much work experience. You know, so yeah, they have all this terminology and they know how to, you know, make stocks from scratch and they know how to make all the mother sauces and everything, but you know, they're not prepared for the intense, intense pressure and just getting caught in the weeds, you know, every Saturday night and just getting sandbagged. And it, 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 I am thankful that I didn't go to school because of that. You know, I was more prepared for the busyness, but I do wish I, I did for more of the knowledge and information. Right. So, so there's, there's sort of a balance you're saying in terms of wh- where, where you can get ahead. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So let, let's talk about now um, how your transition into actually being, being a chef in the kitchen, right? At, at what point mm-hmm. did you, did you go from, wh- when did those promotions come along? When, when things opened up, did you go from uh, a dishwasher to a, a, any form of cook? So, I was working back at a restaurant at Howie Wen Brewery out in Pescadero, um, now still living in Santa Cruz. So I was you know, commuting out there every day. So I, I was hired as a dishwasher and a prep and ranking wise, kind of like the lowest on the totem pole. But I mean, at the same time, the most important on the totem pole, because I mean, the kitchen can't run without a dishwasher, you know, kitchen can't run without yeah. prep crew. The kitchen can still run if an executive chef isn't there. Kids, you can't run that well if, you know, prep crew isn't there, you know, helping prep everything for the day or if a dishwasher's not there and, you know, no one's there cleaning all the plates. Um, but yeah, one of the line cooks didn't show up one night. So I just kind of hopped on the line and just started going at it and, you know, did a couple of nights of that. And finally the chef was like, you know, you want to start getting on the line a little bit more? I was like, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> and yeah, from there, you know, came as a line cook, kind of doing a little more of the cold app side and then also hopping onto the saute station or you know the pans pastas and uh, fish and chickens and stuff like that and then um work my way up to grill you know grills in my opinion probably one of the more tougher stations you know because you're just in front of the heat the entire time you know the char broiler the flat top just always just on you and of course you know everybody wants to order a burger that's the main items you get burgers and steaks and it's always it always feels it's always on your station yeah. Yeah, and then from there, I was a, um, a sous chef at uh, Satola Bar and Grill under uh, Chef James Manns, who is now the uh, executive at uh, Suda. Awesome food, awesome guy. Um, love him to death. I mean, he's a huge mentor of mine. Definitely recommend going uh, over to Suda. That place is just amazing. and The food he makes is amazing. But yeah, so I was his sous chef for a while. He left, and I became the executive at Satola Bar and Grill. And yeah, it's just, it was, you know, it's just kind of more of a luck situation because I, I did, I did leave Sotola for, for a minute, kind of go travel and stuff like that as a, when I was the sous chef and then ownership changed, whatever. And the new owners were trying to look for a new uh, chef. And before I had left, I had left my number on a whiteboard that was in the kitchen, which is in case um, people want to contact me. 
and uh, the owners saw my name up there and they're like, you know, what? we're going to give them a call. And they called me up and asked if I wanted the position. And I was blown away by the offer. And I was like, absolutely. You know, I take it. Um, yeah. And it, and it was an amazing experience. You know, it was, it was very humbling and, and it, hard work. You know, it's, it's always just very hard work, long days, long hours, a lot of sleepless nights, you know, you're staying yeah. up late writing menus and all that. And it's, that's awesome. What, that's a cool story though. How, what, yeah. That can't be, you know, you've, you've attributed it. It seems mostly to luck. Luck is involved, I think in a lot, but also you took an initiative to at least write your number down and they had, they already had experience yeah. with you. So they, they wanted yeah. you to work there. So that's, well, that's a pretty awesome story. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with Matthew Espinosa and learning about his career journey to becoming an executive chef. Let's let's talk about what uh, what it would be like. Just you know, you show up on a on a random day, and the world is normal. Uh, what what would you be doing when you, as soon as from from start to finish, I suppose, on a normal day? Depending on what shift and what kind of restaurant you're working at, um, whether the place is only open for lunch and dinner, place is only open for dinner, um, or you know breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I I typically worked at places that were only open for either just lunch and dinner or just dinner. And I I normally work the PM shifts, so the closing shifts. Um, I usually work dinner service and then closing and cleaning. But I'd say you know for most most people they'd probably work starting at a new restaurant, probably come in during the mornings to learn how to prep. You know you get in, clock in. You know, and you, you got to show up to work. You're like, you're about to cook right now. You know, there's no lollygagging. You know, you need to have your, your chef coat on or your, you know, your cook coat, your apron on ready to go. Especially if you work the day before, you should kind of already know in your head, have written a prep list down or known like, okay, when I get in tomorrow, I need to do this, 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 and this. So you need to be automatically prepared to like, you know, no questions asked, just get to it. Like, okay, I need to chop 25 pound bag of onions. Got to do that right now. Um, I need to peel a 50 pound bag of potatoes. I need to do that right now. Um, so you need to come in hundred percent prepared, knowing what you need to do. You know, if it's a morning shift, just getting your, all the prep done, what's on um, the prep board um, or whatever the guys left you at the end of the night on their, on different stations, like a list, just kind of knocking out as much as you can within, you know, from whatever, however long your shift would be. But if you're coming in at a PM shift, Definitely, it's kind of you come in, communicate with the morning guy, like, "Hey, how much prep was able to get done?" You know, and they'll, you know, they communicate. It's huge communication, especially with the PM shift. You know, trying to make sure, like, okay, you know, okay, I was able to get all this done, but you know, you still need these things for your line, and then trying to knock that out as soon as you can, because once usually PM service comes in, it's short time before you know service actually starts. So it's like you have maybe a half hour to mm-hmm. you know set up your station you know put all your mise en place which is uh everything in place um another french culinary term um you know you need to set everything up in your line so it's efficient you have to have backups of everything nearby um otherwise you know you'd have the chef like me yelling down your yelling down your throat <laughs> if you uh ask me to grab you something that you should have had backed up yeah i mean it, it, it's just a lot of remembering of okay, I ran out of this last night or this was ran out last night. I need to do more of this, you know, seeing how busy it was the night before. So then you could checking how busy it was and then seeing your reservation 
list too. You can guesstimate to prep accordingly. You know, if you have 25 tables on the books and, um, you know, like if you have 25 on the books and it's a Saturday night though, so you know, there's going to be a lot of walk-ins, a lot of people coming in. You want to prep for like a hundred or even more, you know, so you always want to try to stay ahead of the curve because you don't want to run out of something. That's the last thing a chef wants to hear is, oh, 86, which means, you know, we're out, completely out, like nothing. We've got nothing anymore. That's the last thing you want to hear because the last thing you want to do is, you know, tell a customer, you know, tell someone who's coming in to wants to eat this food, like, sorry, we don't have what you want. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the worst feeling, especially, you know, not only for the kitchen, but also that's a hard job for the servers as well, telling people, oh, sorry, we're out of this. Some customers are not too kind. But I mean, at the same time, it, it happens, especially if it's locally sourced stuff. You know, that's so totally it happened quite often because a lot of our stuff was locally sourced. We used a lot of local fisheries, um, H&H uh, Fresh Fish, awesome people there, uh, real good fish, um, great guys there. Um, you know, we use a lot of local farms too. And of course, you know, we're only able to get so much from these farms because, you know, smaller businesses, you know, not going to ledgers or performance foods. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of guessing and then just being prepared all the time. Just even if it's slow, it's not gonna be slow for long. You know, if it's quiet, not gonna be quiet for long. You know, just being prepared to just get hit because once it hits, it hits hard. And it, if you're not prepared, you're not gonna get out of the weeds at any moment, at any time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Until it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I I can. Uh... I guess my closest relatable experience was working at a, at, there was a, at one of the Verve coffees in Santa Cruz and mm-hmm. it was similar. One of my uh, managers had a, a similar philosophy. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready because you, you just always got to stay ready for, for yeah. that sort of stuff. So what kind of person do you think would enjoy being in, in your shoes? Right. I mean, you could even just describe yourself if it's, if it's general like that, but who, who would like to be, who wants, who, what kind of person wants to be an executive chef who enjoys this? Uh, someone who is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, it, it's so hard to just define it to certain things that a person, cause you know, there's. It, it, so tell, tell us it, again, then tell us, tell me what, what you enjoy again. Now you talked about what, what it felt like when you first, started to have that feeling of, Oh, I think this is what I want to do yeah. now. Now tell me what you feel when you're, when you were in an executive chef at Sertolo's and, and you were doing this, what, what were you enjoying every day? Um, you know, just creating, just, you know, um, talking, you know, with my, my kitchen staff and working together, sort of camaraderie and then, okay. you know, um, working together and then just, um, making different dishes. You know, I, I wasn't always, the one to be the only person with my name on the menu. You know, I never really liked that. You know, I like working with my staff and to create things for the menu, you know, having them to feel a sense of pride and like, yeah, that's my dish. Like, yeah. I helped with that. dish. You know, cause it's a, it's always been a hard, it's always a hard feeling when you create a special, but yet it, because you're really just a line cook, you know, but yeah, it's your special that night, but it's, it's the chef's special, right? You know, it's it's his, um, because it's his kitchen, it's his stuff. So I, I I never really understood that. I never really really cared for it because I felt like 
know, if you want to keep people's passion into cooking, you want to give them the recognition and the notoriety that they deserve. You know, especially as, you know, a line cook, a young line cook, you know, like, hey, you want to run a special tonight? Let's, you know, let's work something out together, you know, and then to make them feel like proud of like, damn, you know, I made that. That's me. That's me on a plate. I'm giving it to everybody. And just having that just makes me just, it, 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 it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling to like, you know, when I just started out cooking, the passion behind it was always been huge and being able to create different things and show them to people and be like, yeah, let's try that out. Let's put it on the menu, you know, for a special tonight or something. And then, you know, getting like that kind of recognition from it be like, yeah, this is the person who made this, you know, you know, people ask like, oh, you know, give me the, you know, give the compliments to the chef or whatever. Like, oh, well, actually, line cook made it, you know, and having that notoriety, it's just, it's such a great feeling, you know, hearing someone be like, wow, your food's really good. Cause for me, you know, I'm not a huge show buddy person. I'm not self-centered. So I'm not like, yeah, my food's the best. What I make is the best. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, my food's good. I make, I make really good food, but I'm not the type of person that's going to brag about it. That's, that's just never been my personality. That's never been who I am to, to hear that from other people. It's, it's always such a reassuring feeling. Cause every time I make something, I feel like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's good. Reassuring feeling to just be like, yeah, you know, I do do really good. But of course, you know, there's always room for improvement. Um, there's always new things to learn, always new things to do and all that. I hope you have have had and will continue to have at some point the opportunity to mentor others as you've been mentored because I, I'm no uh, culinary experienced person, but it sounds awesome. It sounds like a, a, a it sounds like it would be really cool to work for you because you <laughs> help people to feed their own creativity and right what what else can help feed that passion yeah um okay now i want to go back to that phone call because now i feel like i know what i finally want to ask is what do you think or maybe you've given this thought or maybe maybe the owners have already told you why they called you but what do you think it is that you you have your your expertise your your specific skill sets that made those previous owners want to call you. I mean, maybe it was, I'm sure it's, it's nice to, as maybe an owner to, to have someone you've worked with before, but Mm -hmm. obviously they didn't have, they didn't have to call you, but they did. And so what do you think it is about you that, that made them make Um, that phone call? Yeah. So I, you know, I remember talking to the new owners about the whole situation and, you know, and I, I asked them too, I was like, you know, what, what made you guys think of me? What made you guys call me? You know, and they're like, well, you know, you have, you know, because I worked there previously before the new owners came in as the as the line cook, and I was the sous chef there, so I had a familiarity of what the vision of that restaurant was. I had a familiarity of providers that we were working with, the different farms. I was very familiar with who we were working with, familiarity with the menu, and a lot of people that still work there worked when I was there. So it, for them, it was just an e- it was a simple choice, like, well. He knows the menu. He knows, you know, they've eaten there before when I was, when I was working there. Like, you know, we love the food that you made. We just felt, you know, cause they had other people come in and try out and it just didn't click for them. It just didn't, you know, wasn't a good fit. They're telling me, you know, we, we just think that you were just that person that we needed, that, that we wanted. And, you know, that in itself was just like a, wow, like a huge pat on the back. Like that, that was, you know, to hear that you were wanted 
and desired for a job is it's 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 a, it's a different feeling in itself you know just especially i was 23 24 at the time when i got the i was 24 yeah when i got that call and just to feel like okay i'm 24 years old i'm an executive chef at a restaurant like oh man you know the pressure was on at that point no i mean that that, that phone call was it was I was speechless, definitely, for most of that phone. It was more of a one-sided phone call, that's for (laughs) sure. But yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. And the experience in itself was just, it was awesome. So what's, uh, I I think one of my last questions here is, um, if you were to, to, oh, I missed that. What was that? Sorry, I I was saying that, you know, I've always worked in the restaurant industry, and I could never see myself not working in the restaurant industry. It's always, you know, I'll never leave it. It'll never leave me. I mean, even if I you know, retire from it, whatever, it, it, it scales. It's, it's something that you that sticks with you. Yeah. And I'll always be cooking, you know, especially, you know, right now, you know, unemployed right now because of the whole COVID-19, you know, but still always cooking, still always making food. So. Awesome. If there were a listener on right now who, who were thinking to themselves that they wanted to go into, into the culinary arts, if you could list maybe three hard or soft skills that they should really focus on as they get into it. What what might those be? Let's see. Knife skills. Definitely. Always work on your knife skills. It'll come in handy hundred percent of the time. I mean, it, it's, it's a number one fundamental that they teach you in culinary schools, being able to, you know, keeping your knife sharp always. I mean, it's more dangerous to work with a dull knife than it is with a sharp knife Two, comfortable footwear. Yeah, missing holidays, birthdays. Um, unfortunately, you know, I've missed funerals before. That is definitely the hardest part. But, you know, if you love what you do, you you push through it. I mean, people under people say that they understand, but it, 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 it it's, a, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different beast in itself, working in a restaurant, working in a kitchen. Yeah, but I, I would say those are like the three most important things to just be prepared for. Yeah. And that last one is definitely the one that a lot of people don't realize, especially, you know, working in like small mom and pop shops or, you know, I mean, a lot of restaurants I've worked at have been mom and pop, you know, locally owned, you know, like once you really start diving in to working in the kitchen, you know, either front of the house, back of the house, doesn't matter. Move, moving your way up, sous chef, executive chef, you know, you're working at a Michelin star restaurant or whatnot. I mean, you're going to prepare yourself to not have any free time. Yeah. Whatsoever, <laughs> you know, you know, like even now, I mean, um, you know, before I am dating someone right now and I told her, you know, right before we started dating, I was like, you know, I just want to let you know, I, this is my work schedule. This is what it's going to be like. I mean, I'm going to make as much time as I can with you, but I can't make any promises, you know, I, I you know, and I try to make that very upfront and clear because I don't want to waste their time. Of course, free time is, it's not, it's not much of a thing. Although, I will say it. I have noticed that it has been getting better. With that, a lot of more places are kind of realizing, like, oh, we shouldn't make people work seven days a week in the restaurant. <laughs> At the same time, it, it's still long hours. Yeah, the long hours that gets you. You know, working ten plus hour days. It's just it gets to you, but it's worth it in the end. I feel I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I, I I'd do it all again. You know, I'd miss those same birthdays. I'd miss the same holidays their family yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't change it for the world awesome man well i'm glad that you found the career path that really fits for you man that's just it's really cool to see 
thanks for being on, man. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was great. Great talking to you. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Matthew Espinosa, a executive chef. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays. Stream online at ksqd.org or visit our website, yfiob.org, for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.